The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. From beyond the moons of Kovos to the fractured remnants of the Dross Nebula, eerie transmissions can be heard if you tune your star dial to just the right nano frequency. One signal in particular enchants listeners with tales of heroism, treachery, romance, and discovery. Right beside this signal, caught between the hyperstatic, are the ramblings of two strange beings from an unknown time and an unknown place. Listen as they navigate you through the dark times. Welcome back to The Dark Times, a self-indulgent Paizo propaganda podcast. I'm Sam, your favorite new friend. And I'm Steven, your favorite cosmic deity that you share a mysterious and tenuous relationship with as a source of your power. That's called being a podcaster, Steven. (laughs) (laughs) What What are we doing? What are we doing here? Where am I? I look at myself in the mirror and ask myself that question every day, Sam. Um, You had a grand idea of introducing our Starfinder second edition field test number one recording with our broader audience and then recording another review for the field test number two release and giving that to everyone as well. Oh yeah. This is kicking off our spinoff podcast. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm only slash, I'm only slash half joking, you know, not, not a full half joking. And and Um, the spirit of transparency, it's something we, we aspire to. We don't think it could supplant, you know, our, our love for, for Swissy or even our podcast for Swissy, but you know, it's something we've, we've toyed around with. This is, this is the perfect, it's the culmination of all things. I feel like Steven, (laughs) not to say it like an evil, like an evil overlord. This is the culmination of all things, Steven. It's the culmination of all podcast greatness, Steven. (laughs) It just happened to coincide. I didn't know when they were going to release a second field test when we did the first one. We, I thought it was going to be like six months. I didn't think it was going to be like, Hey, two months later, here you go. Here's number two. It's, It's great. Me too. And you know, they're, they're fucking, especially since, you know, release isn't until 2025. And although with the actual play test, they call these a field test, just a little preview of the game, but the play test proper is next summer. So yeah, it, it seems like we're, Oh, I'm so ready. excited. I'm so excited for the play test. It's going to be a good summer. Summer finder. Second edition. Summer finder. <laughs> summer the brightest summer. Oh, oh, the brightest summer. The brightest summer. Oh, damn. That sounds great. <laughs> We just do episodes for the summer. That's what makes it bright. <laughs> Sam, I'll say let's let's hop right to it. <laughs> yeah. So the devs say the mystic will help emphasize the fantasy well, that, side. We didn't say what the what this field test was about. <laughs> okay, sorry. I, I don't know if we were doing this with them having listened to the first one or like. Yeah, yeah. So the, so the first one was presumably you've listened to the first one, listener. Uh, that was the fighter. We had a great time about that. We got to. <laughs> Oh shit! You're right. It was the soldier. I take it away my dark times card. Yep. I will be sent to the dark times mines. Uh, thusly, after my <laughs> after my recording today. Yep. But today's field test is the mystic. Even what what what's the mystic? What the fuck's a mystic? Yeah. So the mystic is is part of Paizo's like new and differentiated approach to class design in Starfinder. They really, really, really want to reach beyond limitations like space fighter and space rogue. As you recall from the soldier class, that was so not a space fighter, though they were focused on taking and dealing hits. The way they did it was quite distinct from the fighter. A, a, a good example is their key ability score was actually constitution. All of the soldiers' abilities were were balanced around 
you know, these just dealing massive waves of damage across wide areas and then also being able to absorb damage at the same time. Really, really interesting stuff. Definitely aspects that have been touched on by fighters before, but you kind of, you, you already have this inherent understanding of how Paizo does classes, Sam, is I imagine like various like spectra of different things that a class can do. And, you know, the average Paizo class takes like three of those things and does them to a degree. You know, the fighter's a great generalist when we talk about Paizo world, like both Pathfinder and Starfinder. But there's other classes like the gunslinger, uh, archetypes like the duelist that embody and and kind of further emphasize different things that the fighter can do just takes them to a, a higher degree while sacrificing all the other things that that a fighter can do. You mean a system where the classes can have like two or three things to hyper focus on and be really good at? I, that sounds familiar and somewhat warm and comforting in this dark <laughs> void of space. Right, right. And I think a few similarities to what you're thinking on, Sam, will will manifest here in the mystic. So the mystic, in if we're talking in, in to use Paizo speak, is a support-based spontaneous spellcaster that can focus on divine or primal traditions. And for those who don't know or aren't familiar with Pathfinder, traditions are sort of the different schools of spells that you have access to, and there's a lot of overlap between them as well. Yeah, and I think D&D has schools D&D magic, right? has them, but they're not... I, they're, I don't think they're as important for okay, spellcasters. Cool. Yeah. Because a lot of them just kind of get all the spells. <laughs> yeah. Casters uh, in, in Paizo land, as I'm probably just going to keep calling it. in the <laughs> the Because the, you can't call it Pathfinder land anymore. No, no. Because it's it Paizo land the, now. The Finderverse? I don't know. But like, the Goblinverse, maybe? Yeah, the Gobl- hey, that's nice. <laughs> they can have that one for free. Yeah. <laughs> Paizo, if you're listening. Thur- Thurston, I know you're out there. Goblin land. <laughs> wait, wait, what did I say? Goblin verse? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, but man. yeah, so the, the spell traditions are, are, you know, there's divine, primal, occult, arcane, some other shit. I think that's all of them. I, but there might be only another four? one. I feel like there's five. What would it be? I don't know. <laughs> friendship. Yeah, friendship. Yeah, friendship. <laughs> Someone will, will fill those in for us, I'm sure. Most, pretty much all casters choose one, and then you draw most, if not all, of your spells from this list of of spells that have this trait. Many spells have multiple traits. Many spells can be primal or occult or arcane or just a few. Primal is like connection to nature. Divine's like connection to God or life or or death, especially. Arcane is like geometric magics, of course. And what am I leaving out? Sorry to say primal. Oh, yeah, occult. And I mean, like, occult's like, you know, the weird, weird shit, like, you know, under gods and, you know, hidden knowledge and, and things like that. Yeah, the stuff that isn't filled in by the other three. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And if you look or at the Or is like shunned list, by the other three. <laughs> yeah, it's whatever the other ones don't like or don't know. <laughs> and, and so you can already, those of you who know your game as well, probably can see where this is going. The mystic kind of fills in the space between a cleric and a druid. It's kind of. Both while being neither. And and it can also be a quite many things, but there's one thing it does really well, and that's healing. And the way it does healing is super fascinating, and you'll see why in just a sec. The mystic has a connection that gives them access to a wide host of spells. You get the dealer's choice of divine or primal. Uh, the type of connection you choose will also have kind of a big impact on a few other things that we'll go over in, in a little bit. The mystic special bond lets them form special bonds with up to 10 other allies. And these are kind of the threads by which you affect, heal, and buff your, your squad mates. The length of these effects through these bonds can span the length of an entire planetary body, which is amazing. That's pretty, that's like the bond you and I have, Stephen. It is. It's true. The great podcast bond in the sky it really spans a whole heavenly body. <laughs> uh, and then you also have your vitality network which is an intangible pool of hit points that can be pulled from to heal as a single action, which is fucking nuts to me. Like, Oh yeah. With this class, it's going to be possible to heal in the double digits with a a single action. I, when I read the field test and I guarantee listener, please go read the field test before you listen to this podcast. Yes. I, when they were like, Every class is going to also be able to shoot because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they were like, the emphasis is on ranged combat. So 
your healers are going to be able to get some heals in, but if they have the action available, they're going to be able to shoot with their cool space gun, which I was like, fuck yeah, because in space, you survive with space gun. (laughs) (laughs) So eloquently put. And another reminder of a certain system that we happen to know well. I'm just going to read the flavor text for the mystic right here. Uh, it's quite nice. And I'll be reading off of a good chunk of the field test here. And then we'll, we'll go into some uh, abilities for the classes and then feats. And then who knows what after that. You are more than just a healer. You are a conduit channeling the innate fundamental forces that connect and bind all things together. Hmm. A force that surrounds us. Yeah. Penetrates us. Uh, perhaps. Binds, <laughs> that sounds very, very familiar, but sure. We'll, we'll keep going. You tap into that power and bond with your closest allies. You use a diverse suite of spells to empower your bonded allies, restore their vitality, and punish those who threaten them. By maintaining and nourishing your bonds, you cultivate a cache of vital life energy you can call upon to power your magic. Uh, Like a living connection. Uh, A living connection. A... Like a big space gel. A a wellspring (laughs) of... A wellspring. (laughs) Not quite power, but, you know... Truth, uh, maybe something that's uh, visualized by Mysticlorians <laughs> and their presence. Oh no, <laughs> Paizo, Mysticlorians—that's another one you can have for free. Terrible. <laughs> uh, their key attribute is wisdom, so that means make sure your wisdom's nice and high if if you're a mystic. Uh, their HP is eight plus their con score, and in Paizo land, as we know, your total and base HP is determined. By not just your class, but also your ancestry, which I always really liked. I liked that there was multiple things that determined your your health pool, not just your class. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I agree. <laughs> not just your con stats. <laughs> and not just your con stat either, yeah. Uh, during combat encounters, you cast spells to protect your bonded allies and defeat your enemies. You maintain a steady flow of life energy through your vitality network to heal your allies. Depending on the nature of your connection, you can empower them with music, blind enemies with vital energy, or even conjure storms of elemental magic. During social encounters, you offer unique solutions by approaching a problem from the perspective of your connection. When a disagreement or misunderstanding develops between members of your bond, you are often the one to help build bridges and heal their wounded relationship. While exploring, you know the strengths and weaknesses of those in your bond and help guide them to overcome problems. You use spells to detect magic around you and are often called upon to help identify unknown magic. In downtime, you likely spend time connecting with your bonded allies, whether it's taking on the same side hustle, learning a hobby together, or forming a guild in your favorite video game. Uh, in in Starfinder, actually, Stephen, they're called vid games. I thought that was a typo. Um, <laughs> no, they're called vid games, which I also thought it was a typo when yeah. I read it, but then I looked it up. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, we got gamer rep here on the on the Mystic class. Finally, the Mystic gamer. <laughs> I've I've heard legends of his, of his ponage. <laughs> I saw Anakin poning younglings. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> you might know more about the other members of your party than anyone else. You might have insights into the nature of your connection that others find unorthodox. You may have strange dreams, visions, or intuitive inklings about fundamental forces that cannot be perfectly understood by traditional scientific or arcane theory. Others probably think of you as the mascot of the party. They view your bond as a closed clique or think you are trying to recruit them. They assume you view the universe through the lens of your connection. This very much reminds me of how I played my cleric in our Pathfinder game, Stephen. You're right. You're right. Your cleric was really into the whole fate thing, into the whole god of fate thing. (laughs) He was reluctantly really into the whole god of fate thing. Yeah, it was was such a strange, strange isn't the right word, but just unique take on like the cleric. Because he wasn't jazzed about it. There's a word I'm looking for. Strone had surrendered to fate. Yeah, absolutely. Very, and, and like in in the every sense of the word, and he wasn't ex- he wasn't evangelical about his faith at all. But he was so like uh, for himself, it was everything. <laughs> well, this is a guy who Strone Stonecutter was my dwarf cleric in our Pathfinder Second Edition game that went on for 
what three years from level from the play test to level 20 yeah through yeah. like several book releases and everything and this was a character who started as the like a reluctant door-to-door priest salesman <laughs> like he had things written down on a piece of paper he would go up and be like i'm here to solve your religious problems point me in the direction and i'll do it <laughs> <laughs> And I, I like this because he definitely evolved from sort of the uh, reluctant healer to the mascot of the party to being that sort of like, hey, like this whole faith thing's kind of weird, but I do believe in these people I found. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he couldn't deny the the results of of his faith and of his God, which was was always interesting to see, especially when he was faced with other gods and other religions it, <laughs> despite everything he still was happy with the hand he was dealt even though i don't know he never asked for it strone strone is complicated and probably warrants his own podcast but <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to the strone times podcast i uh <laughs> i'm um, a dwarf <laughs> and that's a perfect segue to something i meant to say at the top of the show is that the the mystic really embodies the the fantasy end of the science fantasies uh, the devs aren't shy about it this is a science fantasy system from the ground up always has been always will be, you know, you can cast a spell called delete like, (laughs) (laughs) or, or a teaser for one we're going to look at later, a spell called doom scroll. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and you know, this is all going to be perfectly interchangeable and interlopated with, with the pathfinders, you know, pure fantasy approach. And, and the mythic is kind of meant to open up the, the fantasy side of the science fantasy world that will be Starfinder second edition. And you'll see here just now why um, I think it does such a great job of that. Uh, let's talk connections. Like the ones you and I have. Yeah. This is a, a lot like that, but far less sexual. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping that in. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Got to. All mystics have a mysterious connection with some force. Huh. That grants magical powers. The exact nature of that connection can vary widely, and even mystics who share the same connection may interpret it differently. Your choice determines the type of spells you cast, the spell tradition you choose spells from, and the additional spells you learn, your additional trained skill, and the harmony benefit that further expands how you can use your vitality network. You also gain special focus spells based on your connection. The harmony benefit sounds like a multi-level marketing scheme. (laughs) Right. Right. Like I get five friends connected and they get five friends connected oh my God. and then our harmony bef- benefit goes upwards. You're fucking right. The mystic <laughs> is just a fucking Ponzi scheme. <laughs> is a Ponzi scheme a pyramid scheme? Yes. Are those the same? Okay, good. Good. I won't, won't sweat it then. Uh, and I just, there's another blurb that says mostly the same thing from further down in the field test. Your connection is a mystical mm, force that grants you magic. It could come from a divine patron, be a manifestation of the wider cosmos, or even come from some unique event that happened in your life. While two mystics with the same connection may have similar abilities, how they view their connection can vary wildly. Note that not all divine mystics serve deities, and some deities can even grant a mystic a primal connection. Mystics who serve deities are not limited to specific connections, but the connections granted should mesh with the deity's core edicts. Uh, so, catch that, Sam. Uh, you can have a divine connection to a god or even a primal connection to nature or God, all optional in this class. Not like a cleric or a druid where, you know, the um, scope of your abilities is deeply and intrinsically tied to an ability or a particular type of, of nature. They've surpassed religion. They finally did it. Those bastards. <laughs> they made religion optional for the cleric. What the hell? That's my whole deal, dude. Oh, well, that's the key thing that makes this class stand out from both the, the cleric and, and the druid that, it's a kind of, you know, and Paizo does this a lot. It's a build your own caster in, in many ways. And I love, love, love this approach. The best thing about Swissy and one of my favorite things about Pathfinder is that, you know, a level one fighter, a level one soldier, a level one cleric, a level one noble. You can't count how many different possible level one characters there are in both of these systems. And it's one of my favorite, favorite things. There's other systems where this is not a priority where just about everyone's level one fighter, level one cleric, level one hexblade warlock all pretty much look and act the same. And, you know, that's where, you know, the 
argument. And Arm, it's very- Steven, yeah, uh, Hexblade Warlocks, uh, you don't get to choose a pact of your Warlock class until level three. Um, I'm going to be leaving a one-star review on this podcast. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you, Willy Watsy. Willy Watsy? <laughs> And the spell slingers taste like spell slingers. <laughs> God fucking damn it. <laughs> oh man. Um God, I had something actually beneficial to add to that. Oh, did you, you? Good to you, know. You, you, you tossed Willy Watsy at me like a live grenade and it blew up in my face, and now I've forgotten. Uh <laughs> I, I'm just going to assume that we said everything intelligent that we could about connections. Yeah. Well, it's so just far. the, yeah, yeah. That, that second paragraph, we covered it. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> and the spell slingers taste like spell slingers. That, that was, was pretty like, good. Come on. Really, really <laughs> so you've got two choices for your connection and hey, psst, let me, psst, if you're, if you're new to Paizo games, come over here. Let me tell you a secret. There's only two connections here and they're awesome. And, and much of the fluff in the field test says like, yeah, we're only going to leave it here at two connections. We only want to do, we only want to do divine and, and primal for now. Now, the thing that they love to do is, you know, two, three supplement books down the line. They're going to add like one to three more of these connections and they'll probably be badass. Hey, what are you yes. guys doing over there? Yeah. I'm Johnny raw and I only read the rules as written. I don't infer shit. What are you, are you guys playing the game as intended? Fuck you. Hey, sorry, Johnny. We were just speculating at future products. Nothing Officer more. Johnny Raw. <laughs> How seen dare some, you? I think I've seen a video that featured a, a, a character named Johnny Raw once or twice. I hope not. That was a joke about pornography. Yes. Oh, okay. Healing connection. You manipulate the tapestry of life force that connects all living things. Get out of my fucking head, I swear to God. <laughs> Just another Tuesday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are in tune with a vast tapestry of universal life energy that binds all living things. Allowing, they are not subtle at all. Oh, I love are, it. Though. I love it. Allowing you to subtly manipulate huh, the ebb and flow of this vital power. Spellcasting tradition is divine. You get the connection skill of medicine. You are granted the spells, uh, analyze target, which is a cantrip, and then motivating ringtone, huh? <laughs> False vitality <laughs> and vampiric feast as first, second, and third level spells. Uh, you also get a special connection spell, which we'll go over one of these later, uh, called vitalize. These are uh, the focus spells, and what a focus spell is is a little specific, but not hard to grasp at all. You'll see. And then this connection's harmony ability it reads as follows. Whenever you cast a healing spell on a bonded ally that restores them to their maximum hit points, your vitality network regains the excess hit points the spell could have restored up to your character level. Temporary hit points do not trigger this harmony. That's rad. Yes. This is like the way to get players to constantly use their healing network. Yes. Yes. It's, oh my God, there's so many great incentives. And the field test goes over this in, in depth. The The devs really think they like found something with this where they put players in a very interesting tactical position where, okay, I've got my big healing pool. Do I dole out little heals here and there to keep everyone topped up? Or do I save a big heal for the bomb that's going to hit the tank down the line? Like it's, it's really, really cool. I'll tell you, Steven, as an experienced cleric in the Pathfinder second edition system, I put a lot of, like into those heal spells. I took oh, yeah. a lot of them because you need it. And I'm, I'm interested to see how the mystic is going to change healing from a forefront of being this sort of caster to like the super cool side benefit that you get for just being the caster. Yeah, you know? seriously. And honestly, it, it makes a dedicated healer's job so much easier. You were a dedicated healer through and through but you had to juggle multiple spells across many spell slots. You had healing items. You had potions. You know, there was you had. <laughs> I had my medicine skill. That yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> and you know, we were no strangers to it. There was a wide array of you know diverse healing options that you 
memorized through and through, and you always knew which one to throw it at, to throw it. Oh, dude, my, I was a well-oiled machine as yeah. as a healer, as a level twenty healer. I was like, I've got my action, I've got my two action heal, I you got my extra action to move, whatever I needed. I was. It was ready. amazing to watch because you know, in in the span of turns, you would I would see your brain just click together, finding the optimal maximum because you know. <laughs> Some of them would, some of us would be like, Hey Sam, why don't you use a healing spell? You're like, no, if I do that, I, I won't get maximum healing. I have to do this X, Y, and Z. If you use my healing gloves, my healing potion, I have to go over here and stand here. We can get 80 maximum hit points. I don't even have to roll for it. And I'm like, well, yeah, if you guys yeah. stand next to me right now in the next yeah. 12 seconds, I will overheal us. And yeah. <laughs> and every, it happened every time. Like, Really, oh, really? Yeah, that's fun. right. It was like, you were like, yeah, forget the healing spells. I have this ability. Just come over here, rub my bald head and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we'll heal give me up. a little yeah. kiss on the forehead and it'll heal you up by 4d8 hit points. Yeah. Uh, and it's so good. The other choice you have for your connection is rhythm. And this one's actually really cool. You hear the cosmic melody that moves all observable things in the universe. You're able to hear the melody that moves the cosmos and resonate that connection through the power of audible rhythm and the universal vibrations known by many as the song of the spheres. I know it as Huey Lewis in the news, personally. (laughs) Careful, Sam. That's risky business. Oh, oh, this guy. (laughs) It's the power of love, actually. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Actually, Sam, I'll be right back. I have to organize my music collection. <laughs> the spellcasting tradition for rhythm is primal. Their connection skill is performance. And again, we'll go over the relevance of that skill in a second. Their granted spells are as follows. The cantrip is summon instrument. Their first level sonic scream, noise, blast, and enthrall on their second and third level spells, respectively. Pr- uh, primal performance is what I call a night with your mother, Steven. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can cut that out. <laughs> no, that's no, leave it. It's funny as fuck. <laughs> their connection spell is Song of the Spheres, and their harmony abilities when a bonded creature's hit points are restored using transfer vitality. That's the standard healing spell that all mystics get. They gain a plus one status bonus to attack rolls and damage rolls until the end of their next turn. If your transfer vitality affects multiple bonded allies, you can select only one target for this benefit. This is um, rad. Yeah, it goes bard mode out of nowhere. As you and I know, Stephen, personally, what's great about the Paizo system, the Pathfinder 2nd Edition, Starfinder 2nd Edition system, is that 10 over an AC or a DC is a critical success. That's so correct. every plus one buff that you get, it doesn't look like a lot. But when they stack up, it's crazy. Plus ones are everything in the system and can make or break your buddy landing a crit, which is just amazing. I think they mapped it to... Every plus one you receive is equates to like a 15% increase in a chance to crit. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Which really adds up, especially if you're stacking these plus one abilities onto your main damage dealer, which, I mean, of course you are, right? <laughs> please, please, <Yeah>. listener, <laughs> listener, look at me, listener, look at me, look at me. Please stack them on your main DPS, please. <laughs> And now onto the mystic bond. You've, you've heard a lot about this one. Let's go over it. You can use your connection to form a bond between yourself and others. Forming a bond is an experience that varies from mystic to mystic using a 10-minute activity related to the mystic's connection. That's so... Bond rotation. Yes. You can maintain a bond with up to 10 other willing creatures, and the bond lasts until you or the bonded creature are no longer willing to be a part of the bond. You are always considered part of your own bond. The mystic knows the general distance and direction towards other bonded creatures and any conditions affecting them. Bro, Amazing you seemed stuff. bro, you seemed kind of down to the last drum circle, man. Are you okay? Is everything all right? I don't like the idea of my mystic knowing I have depression. <laughs> <laughs> well, they would. <laughs> Dude, you're harshing the vibes the, in the in the mystic bond right now. I need you to chill out. <laughs> so fucking funny. The Vitality Network is the other kind of big thing about the Mystic class. Your soul supports a network of vital energy that connects those in your bond. Your Vitality Network has a maximum capacity equal to 6 plus 4 hit points per level you have. You gain the transfer vitality action that you can use to take hit points out of your network and into yourself or allies as healing. Life or death situations help strengthen your bond with your allies. At the start of each turn in combat, when you regain actions... Your vitality network regains four hit points. 
And if you're master in your connection skill, it regains six. And instead, if you're legendary, it regains eight. Your vitality network regains its full capacity of hit points when you use the refocus action. Holy shit. So I didn't even know that it, it regenerates. The health pool regenerates each Every turn. turn? That's and insane. Up to eight hit points per turn. And you heard me say the words there, master and legendary. Those are skill proficiency ranks in Pathfinders and, of course, now Starfinder 2nd Edition's skill system. Um, as you level, you will be asked to increase your skills from trained to expert to master to legendary. Most classes get legendary in one skill. In the case of the mystic, it'll most likely be your connection skill. Certainly. So for healing mystics, it'll be medicine. And for rhythm mystics, it'll be performance. Insane to have a performance keyed healer. I like, can't what? wait to see what other performance stuff is going to go into the mystic. <laughs> yeah. And you're basically a bard. Like it is essentially bard flavored, but I don't know. It's It's got a lot less of the baggage that a bard makes. <laughs> Well, yeah, because your cantrip is summon instrument, not seduce bartender. <laughs> Precisely. Um, actually, my cantrip is respect women. <laughs> um, there's a lot more here on the field test. Uh, a lot of it is just the boilerplate Pathfinder 2nd Edition casting stuff. To get a glimpse at how casting works in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, it's a little different than you might be expecting. Do go over that. It's nice. It's fun. Uh, it made casting and RPGs make sense to me. So we're not going to read it here, though, because it's literally printed on every class page for every <laughs> caster in every Pathfinder book. And it, it's it's not sexy radio, really. But just like last time, we've got some feats here. And I've picked out three that we can go over that I thought were particularly neat. Uh, though, however, there's um, like 12 more. In the field test for you to look over, maybe like mind like nine more to me. They were yeah. like, "Hey, here's a fuck ton of them." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, enjoy these and and do do take a look at the rest because they're really really cool. The first one's a level one feat, and it's gonna knock your socks off. Network spell, one action to use feat level one. If the next action you use is to cast a spell with an area, range, or target. The spell manifests from one of your bonded allies you can see within 20 feet instead of yourself. Use the allies space to determine the source of the spell, including range, line of sight, and line of effect. While this may fool someone who only sees your ally into thinking they cast the spell, unless you are hidden or the spell has the subtle trait, any creature able to see both you and your ally can easily determine that you are the source of the spell. If the spell has the subtle trait, you and your ally may cast the spell in a way that makes the ally appear to have cast it on their own. I love this. So your network now, which is your party, plus, you know, it's up to 10 people. So like the mercenaries you hire, you know, your buddies, whatever. Each one can be a conduit from which you can cast a spell from. Your possibilities for spell casting just like exponentially increased. All right. Two things, Steven. Yeah. You and I both know in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, the main thing about being the cleric healer was being next to someone who to, you know, do a touch level spell or anything like that. Yes. This takes that and just blows its fucking socks off, like you said. Yeah. Also, I'm glad they covered it because the first thing I thought of when I read that you can use someone else as the conduit for your spell is like, hey, can I pull some cool charlatan actions and be like, actually, this guy is casting the spell, not me. The answer is yes and yes. And I'm glad they thought of it. I'm glad they did because you great. know it was going to happen. Of course. And, you know, there's no fucking point in a touch range healing class in a, in a ranged combat focused system. That would suck big time. We don't have that problem here. And it's amazing. I just and also using it because like other systems we've played, cover is very important in these sort of yes. range based systems. So being able to use your friend who's not in cover, use the soldier who's out there in the front line, soaking up damage as the point of origin for a spell. That's insane. It basically turns the soldier into the caster as well. Yes. Ridiculous. So great. And you know, it's 20 feet is a lot, but it's not huge. That's four squares. It's enough to get you out of cover. Exactly. And you know that there's going to be another feet down the line that bumps that to, you know, 35. 40 feet, baby! Yeah, 40, whatever. Like, you know, it's it's amazing. I got um, the long distance plan on my network spells, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> 
Next up is Vital Boost, which is actually a reaction, feat level two. The trigger. A bonded ally within 20 feet is about to roll a saving throw. The requirements, you must have more than four hit points in your vitality network. You supercharge your ally's mind and body with a surge of vital energy to save them from peril. Your ally gains a plus one status bonus to the triggering saving throw. Reduce your vitality's network's remaining hit points by four. So this is exciting too, and I also picked it because it's another feat I can see being expanded on heavily. Trading potential hit points for status bonuses instead. To help negate that damage in the yes. first place. Now you're not just healing, you're also a buffer. And your vitality network is a currency with which you buff. It's remarkable. I'm excited. The final feat I selected for us today is Void Warranty. <laughs> They all have amazing names. It's also one action, and it's a feat level four. With careful diligence, you guarantee that vital energy lost from a target is caught by your vitality network. If the next action you use is to cast a spell that deals void damage to a single target, and the target loses hit points from the spell, your vitality network gains hit points equal to twice the spell's rank. So, I think it's Divine has a lot of void damage spells. I'm really not sure. But... Obviously, this is something you would pick and then think ahead for the next time you choose spells. Pick up a cantrip, pick up some first level, second level damage dealers that do void damage and literally just fill it's, up your vitality network. It's quite literally a void warranty. That's yeah, fucking yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is a spell later on, at least in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, that lets you choose what type of damage it is. Well, that's super awesome, Steven. I'm glad we could bring the mystic to light here. And I'm so... I didn't... I was so hyped when I saw the second field test drop because I was like, yes, that means I get to record another field test with Steven. Right. The timing worked out perfectly because this helped us, you know, it eased our recording schedule double time before Absolutely. I went to Japan and overall just just good stuff. Heck yeah. Well, let's let's send you guys off to the break to let you dwell on that for a little. Join. How about we join a little Vitality Network of our own in the break? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Welcome to the break. This is the part of the show where we thank you for listening to the show. It's the number one way to support us, and we love, love, love that you're doing it. I have a couple other ways to support the show if you're feeling particularly grateful for the very hard work me and especially Sam puts in every week for this little number. Um, we take time away from our working hours during the week to, to make this pod. It's a fully volunteer effort, fully listener-funded. We're proud to do it, and we love the community that's propped up around us. And we couldn't be more thankful for each and every one of you. The Patreon is the easiest way to support us monetarily and directly. There's two tiers on our Patreon, a $5 tier and a $10 tier. Three months of patronage in the former gets you a sticker, exclusive to patrons, by the way. And the membership in the latter gets you an exclusive sticker and t-shirt. And let me tell you, they're actually quite nice. Uh, a logo designed by a friend of ours, uh, designed by us, and then kind of refined refreshed. by a yeah, refined by a, by an actual artist. Well, yeah. Sam, <laughs> Sam's an artist too, but <laughs> yes. I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> you are. An, you're an artist now, Stephen. Look at this. We're pod, you're a I'm podcast a, artist. I'm an I'm a non visual artist for yeah. for sure. The the worst kind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Musician. <laughs> Please. You can also tell other people about the show, whether it's online, whether it's your friends, whether it's your TTRPG table. You can tell us that you told people about the show and we'll shout you both out on the show. Tell your whole table we told you, you told them about the show and we'll shout you all out on the show. I'd like to, I'd like to reiterate that stuff like this where we do cool non-Swissy content is only made possible by the Patreon. Like, oh yeah. We would never have done the first one of these if we didn't have that sort of Patreon to help support us in the, on, during the darkest summer. And I'm very glad that we were able to find a good time in Steven's schedule to record a second one for, to have make up for while he's gone to Japan. I'm just, I'm excited. I, I can't wait to hear the public response. Cause uh, I'll be honest. We did get a really good feedback on it on the Patreon. Yeah, know? it was, it was very well received. And you know, that feedback of course is also invaluable because we probably wouldn't be sitting here doing another one if, if we didn't think people liked it. So Thank you for that. And thank you for the continued support, feedback, love that we receive every week from you guys. And uh, wishing you all the best. Let's get you back into the show. Heck yeah. 
Steven. What yeah. what what's put the fucking spell in spellcaster? Okay. All right. Yeah, we've been talking about casting, but we haven't actually looked at any spells yet. So why don't yeah. we uh why don't we go I and told do the that? listeners I was gonna practice my casting, but I didn't tell them which kind. Cut to a picture of me on a fishing boat with a big wizard hat on. <laughs> Love it. Way to go. Steven and I received some in-the-field experience of the Mystic's magical repertoire, and I've brought you some of the best and brightest and some of the rough and bruisiest. <laughs> oh, there you go. Connection spells. Steven already touched upon these. They are the spells granted by being in touch with the flow of the universe or whatever, and as such, they only require a focus point to cast as opposed to a spell slot. Uh, the first connection spell is Vitalize. It's one to three actions. It's got a varying range, and it targets one willing bonded creature, except when it doesn't. <laughs> you reinforce the essence of the target with vital energy if the target's a willing creature restore 1d6 hit points the target is then temporarily immune for 10 minutes the number of actions you spend when casting the spell determines its target range area and other parameters for one action it's got a spell range of touch for two actions it's got a range of 30 feet if you're healing a creature increase the hit points restored by six for three actions, you vitalize all bonded creatures in a 30-foot emanation. This targets all bonded creatures in the burst. So it's still the 1d6. What's cool about these sort of vitality spells is they still heighten with, like, your cantrips do and stuff like that. So at oh, higher cool. levels. Yeah, exactly. So at heightened levels, the amount of healing increases by 1d6, and the extra healing for the two-action version increases by 6. Steven, you might find this familiar. This is very similar to how healing worked for clerics in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I thought so. It's exactly the same. I love that you can choose how many actions you want to spend on it. To it's really so clutch. It's so clutch, Steven. I can't tell you how many times shit like this saved our ass in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Oh, I know it well. I mean, I, I remember your clutch three action heals quite, quite well. They're so good. I Even if it's less dice, but the fact it's such a wide... I mean, four or five party members, that's still like... That's technically 5d6 of healing right there. Yeah. It is. It's nuts. Unless you roll a one, in which case it's nothing <laughs> and you wasted the turn. <laughs> I, I figured I'd cover both of the connection spells because they were interesting enough to do so. Sure. Go ahead. And like, how are you going to glance over Song of the Spheres, right? Yeah, like, this I was is... really hoping we get to go over Song of the Spheres. I'm glad. I'm glad you made this choice. It's one action. It's got a 40 foot emanation. As part of casting the spell, you perform to bolster your bonded allies within 60 feet. The DC of this perform check is usually a standard difficulty DC of a level equal to the highest level target of your song, but the GM can assign a different DC based on the circumstances. The effect depends on the result of your check. On a success, you and all bonded allies gain a plus one status bonus to attack rolls and damage rolls for one round. That's pretty sick. On a critical success, it's the same as a success, but the effect lasts three rounds. Ooh, barding. <laughs> oh, barding. We're barded, buddy. We're barding. For a failure, it's still a success, except it only affects you and one selected bonded ally within range, which is super nice. But on a critical failure, the spell has no effect. So don't <laughs> roll too awfully. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Enough with the connections. Enough with all the lovey-dovey crap. I want to see firepower. I'm a caster, damn it. Let's get some fucking... I'm a glass cannon. Let my cannon glass... <laughs> all right. All right. Listen, I, I hear you loud and clear. Up first, we've got Doom Scroll, a level two, two action spell with a range of 60 feet with an area of a 15 foot burst. It targets will defense and the duration is sustained up to one minute. You magically broadcast grim news onto nearby devices, screens and other displays, including calm units on armor. Wow. Features in the area who can see one or more displays must attempt a will save on a critical success. The creature is unaffected. On a success, the creature is fascinated by the display, and we'll go over these conditions in a second. Right. On a failure, the creature is fascinated by the display and frightened too, even if the fascination ends. And on a critical failure, the creature is fascinated by the display, frightened three, and doomed one, even if the fascination ends. Oh, yeah. Stephen, what is the fascinated condition? So fascination uh, is a condition in Pathfinder that's how they handle like debuffs, basically. There's a set family of conditions, and you... Most abilities pull from those. It's great. You take a minus two status penalty to perception and skill checks when you're fascinated. And you can't use actions with the concentrate trait unless they or their intended consequences are related to the subject of your fascination as determined by the game master. For instance, you might be able to seek and recall knowledge about the subject, 
but you likely couldn't cast a spell targeting a different creature. This condition ends if a creature uses hostile actions against you or any of your allies. Do you remember when our party monk, <laughs> Jin, like crit failed a fascination spell with a fey queen and couldn't stop thinking about her for, I think, like an, an in-game week, maybe? Or something yeah, it was yeah. pretty great. It was pretty great. <laughs> a lot of these conditions are great because the the spells that, that dish them out, crit failing them can lead to some very fatal but often hilarious results in, in how long players are afflicted with these conditions. Absolutely. We've also got the frightened condition, which I think we might have touched upon on the soldier episode. It's been a while since I've listened to it. Because they have like a whole intimidation bend. Exactly. Exactly. For reference, though, you're gripped by fear and struggle to control your nerves. The frightened condition always includes a value. You take a status penalty equal to this value to all your checks and DCs. And unless specified otherwise, at the end of each turn, the value of your frightened condition decreases by one. So frightened three, you'll have a minus three to all your checks and DCs, which is pretty devastating for casters. Seriously. Or for any any character, honestly. It's a great debuff. And then the doomed condition reads, Your life is ebbing away, bringing you ever closer to death. Some powerful spells and evil creatures can inflict the doomed condition on you. Doomed always includes a value. The maximum dying value at which you die... <laughs> I love technical <laughs> writing. Well, they have to be specific. They have to be explicit, right? Of Otherwise, course, it, of gets, course. it gets misconstrued all the time. Of course. But, but that then you get results like this sentence. The maximum dying value at which you die is reduced by your doomed value. For example, (laughs) if you were doomed one, you would die upon reaching dying three instead of dying four. If your maximum dying value is ever reduced to zero, you instantly die. When you die, you're no longer doomed. (laughs) (laughs) And for those unfamiliar, we're not really going to go over it in this episode, but I like how they do death in this system. Dying in Pathfinder is, yeah, surprise, our favorite. (laughs) (laughs) As opposed to having to do death saves, you just have a condition that goes down or goes up until you regain medical attention. Okay, Doom scrolling was pretty funny, pretty cool, uh, but it wasn't as heavy hitter I as a finally spell. understand Doom scroll. Oh, it took you my that long? God, it took me the whole spell to figure <laughs> out why it's called Doom scroll. Oh my God. Wow. I, when I first read it, I was like, oh, it's like a magical scroll or something. Yeah, I was like, oh, the scroll of doom. How very, how very <laughs> fantasy. But no, oh no, my God. Whoever's it's a fucking naming, funny sci-fi joke. <laughs> yeah, whoever, whoever's naming these, the field tests have had some really fucking funny feet and spell names, which just. I just hope they rank. stay. I Me hope too. they don't get changed <laughs> once the play test comes out. Right. But their next spell is Gravity Tether. A two-action third-level spell has a 30-foot range targets one creature, and the defense is a AC, armor class. You manipulate the electromagnetic forces acting on a creature. Make a ranged spell attack. The target takes 48 electricity damage and is pulled five feet closer to you, or ten feet closer on a critical hit. Moving the target into a barrier, creature, or obstacle causes the target to stop before entering that space. Now this is cool, Steven. Because at heightened levels, you can target two creatures with the gravity tether. On a hit, you can move the creatures closer to each other or closer to you, and the damage increases by another D8. Some Gmod shit. (laughs) (laughs) I love the idea of just just pulling, because you're standing next to your fighter, to your soldier, right? So you're just pulling dudes into melee range to get clubbed by a power hammer. Like, it's great. Oh, so good. It's so good. Steven, that's all I brought today. That's if you great. Want, if the listener wants more, they better go read the free field test on Paizo's website. Yeah, it's like 12 pages. Most of that is it's like... It's more than we deserve as TTRPG players. <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, and, and that's like, most of that is pictures and like sidebars and like blocked text. So like, it's not really a lot of reading. And I mean, you can, you know, you, can, you just skim the feats and, and shit like that. But yeah, do check this out. If you have any interest in science fantasy role playing at all, which I, I know for a fact you do. <laughs> uh, do, do check it out. Uh, seriously. Even if you're not familiar with Pathfinder or are intimidated by Paizo or have a weird grudge against anything not Watsy, do take it out and take a look. It's free. Uh, it's Orc. Um, and, uh, and we love it. That's the other thing, Stephen. And mm-hmm. I want to hammer this home for our listeners is that it being Orc, being open I don't remember what ORC stands for, but like it being basically open source, open resource yes. is so good for anyone wanting to publish their own uh, supplements yes. or p- 
publish anything on drive through RPG or do their own do their own podcast about the system. Uh, it just means that they don't have to worry about losing any sort of paying any sort of royalties to Paizo. If you were disappointed by the Wizards licensing fiasco earlier, what they were attempting to do, what they got away with, the if you, if you thought their response was underwhelming and didn't really address the core of, of the problems, um, if you believe that TTRPGs are about community first and about you know, a shared open experience that is free of paywalls and exclusivity. And especially in an age where fun seems increasingly behind these, these arbitrary barriers do consider, do look into what Paizo did when that whole thing went off. The, the ORC, the ORC is a revolutionary open gaming license for the future of gaming and is, is something worth looking into. If you care about the, the commercialization of the fun that we have with our friends every week. That's well put, Stephen. Well put. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on this Starfinder journey. I really appreciate it. Stephen really appreciates it. Uh, the Dark Times, a Starfinder appreciation podcast, is produced and edited by me, Sam. Stephen's my co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE or email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, where you get your show. Tell a friend about the show and tell someone about the show and tell your table about the show and we'll shout you guys all out on the show. Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? Every one of us is, in the cosmic perspective, precious. If a human disagrees with you, let him live. In a hundred billion galaxies, you will not find another. That's Carl Sagan. Carl, I'm Carl Sagan. Incredible. I'm Carl Sagan. By the time you listen to this this recording, the, the electrons, the electrons will have traveled back and forth a million times over. Isn't that nice? Good? Yeah, that's yeah. probably true too. I, yeah, I'm pulling numbers out of my ass, but that's probably. Thanks, Carl. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> we'll Carl. See you, we'll see you next time, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> good night. Good night, everybody. Dark Times anniversary was like October 22nd or something, right? Oh, shit. Did we do anything for that? We didn't do anything for last year. That's for sure. <laughs> we definitely didn't do anything for this year either. But um, maybe that'll change. <laughs>